Hello. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Long time no see. Yeah. Hello. Welcome to Book Court. My name is Megan. And I'm Denise. And this recording has been a long time in the making in that uh, we've meant to do it several times before, but a bunch of things happened to make it impossible. Like one of us reading the wrong book. Oh, you had a you had to throw it out there in the first minute. Yeah. In the first minute, listen. <laughs> it's been a rough year for me. I just wanna say You're only in and the I've... second month of the year. <laughs> and I feel like me reading the wrong reading the wrong book just highlighted to me like I need to get my shit together because I am not doing well. <laughs> you're like yeah. that meme where it's like it's been a long week it's only wednesday <laughs> that was literally me because i was like stressed out and then i was like okay but i read the book we can record let's go and then i show up and you're like did you finish this book that we're talking about and i'm like what um can you say that again you said what book are you mistaken can you like i'm not mistaken <laughs> and then just like the realization that i fucking <laughs> read the wrong book well you know like you're a little just cherry a... it means you're ahead for next month <laughs> i am ahead i've never been this far ahead <laughs> i was simultaneously behind and ahead well before we get to the book we're reading is there any other books that you're reading or anything like that that you want to talk about um, let me pull up my handy dandy goodreads because i don't remember but i am well i'll talk about the books i'm reading uh i am rereading the uh cassandra clare books because um i actually went to go mm -hmm. see cassandra clare um because she released uh, the last in her um, Last Hours trilogy. She released the last book. And that got me into mood to reread them. And I'm also, I started reading another Georgette Hare book. Which I'm like, oh. yeah, I wouldn't say, oh, um, I'm like a little <laughs> not okay with it. Because... So the main guy, like, is kind of a bigger asshole than I feel like the main guys usually are, and that's saying something. Uh, also, Ooh. the age difference between them is, like, really extreme. Like, oh. I feel like there's always a big age difference, like, in her books, because that's just, like, marrying somewhat older, like, men wasn't a big deal, like, back then, which it still isn't now, mm -hmm. but, like... Uh, the guy's, like, about 40, and the girl's, like, 19, and I'm Damn. pretty sure he had a thing I'm for sorry. her mom at some point. Yeah. Oh, So, really? I'm like, uh, I don't know about this, Georgette Hare. Oh. I don't know about this. <laughs> so. Like, um, this isn't my kink. But... Yeah, so I'm not sure if I'm actually going to continue with it. <laughs> It's like um, it's the it's her book called These Old Shades, and it's actually like her 
first like biggest success like it was a huge success when it came out and it came out during like a writing strike like publishing strike or something like some kind of strike so like people didn't like books weren't making that big of a splash but like this one did so like this was like her first big hit and i'm sitting here like okay damn why (laughs) so so it was everyone's kink back in the 1800s i guess (laughs) i'm i'm sitting here like this is weird and it's set in France, on like it's and it's set in France, unlike her other ones, which like it's fine, it's whatever. But like I'm listening to the audiobook, which I don't recommend anyone do if they are going to listen oh, to this book. Because no. the audio I wish I could give an example like of how this woman talks. It is so Oh, like she's just a bad like voice actress or yes. like oh, character. Monsieur, I love you, Monsieur. I think you're the best, Monsieur. Oh, Monsieur, da da. I'm speaking in a French accent. Like, oh no! I'm like the entire uh, book like that. Yeah. <laughs> and also, like the girl is like super just like devoted to the guy because he saved like he bought her off her abusive um brother like it's just like jeez it's so it's like a count of monte cristo type book too like he yeah like everything he's doing has to do with revenge and like okay that part's fine but then i'm also like this is just weird (laughs) so i so if you're like if you've decided to go on a Georgia Hare like journey with me, I don't remember I don't recommend doing this book, everyone. Like I don't recommend this one. Damn, and the other one you told me about sounded so good. It was really good. Damn. I have um slight sidebar, but like I had a similar thing happen with me with a book I read like last week. I thought it was like a regular contemporary romance. Like, you know me, I don't read the back. So I was mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, like, it looks cute. It looks fun. And the main character, she meets this guy and he secretly turns he turns out to be like this rich, the son of like a rich chef or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the guy she meets invites her over to his island, that his dad's island. And they're going to have this fun little vacation because he also has connections to an art gallery, like, organizer or whatever. And she's an mm-hmm. artist. And it, like, it's, like, this fun thing of, like, oh, I don't know if I can trust him. I don't know if, like, you know, I just, my ex fiance or husband died a couple years back. And I don't know if I can love again. It was, like, a beautiful exposition. I was ready for it. And then, like... She meets the guy's dad, and she says, oh, he's kind of cute. So, (laughs) cue the rest of the book being about her being into his dad while he has feelings for her. Yeah. What the fuck? Yep. And it was just 
so weird. Yeah, like, that's just not. Just we're describing the feelings, and I was it. like, "This is." I don't want to kink shame, but like that's not my thing, you know. That's not yeah. my thing. I wasn't. No kink but, um, shame. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a little weird. But that's not mine. <laughs> yeah, that's not mine. I wasn't here for it. I thought it was like you know a romance with a guy her age. <laughs> well, not like an older guy. But here's the thing, like, I don't mind the older guy thing. Like, okay, for mine, like, 19 and 40, that's, like, fucking ridiculous. That's disgusting. But for yours, like, that's not a big deal. For me, the biggest part is that, like, it's with the father of the guy she's currently with. Like, you could... Like, you could honestly say to... The like, if she got with the dad, she could honestly say to him, like, mm, I don't know, your son's a better kisser. Like, do you really want that? Yeah. I know. Like, he was trying to date her, but she was kind of like standoffish. But then when it came to the dad, she was like, Oh, I shouldn't because you know, I'm here for the first guy, I'm here for his son, but mm-hmm. also, and then like, just cue them kind of subtly flirting and shit. And just, like, it's that feeling of, like, not wanting to get caught, but it's by his son. And that's, like, so weird to me. (laughs) Yeah, no. I don't know. It just, it really, I really felt like a child. Like, I felt so young reading it where I'm like, oh, his dad. Oh, gosh. (laughs) But, yeah, I read that. That's the book I read (laughs) last week. So, we um, haven't had some good luck. I also just finished uh, Love Boat Reunion, which I loved. It was the yeah. sequel to Love Boat Taipei. I didn't enjoy it as much as Love Boat Taipei, only because, like, I love the main guy in this one. Like, I really thought that the girl in the first book should have ended up with the guy that turned out to be, like, the main guy for this book. Um, oh, that sucks. The main girl, Sophie, in Love Boat Reunion, in Love Boat Taipei, the first book, the author has her do something that, like, for me, just, like, it's so hard to, like, redeem herself from, you know? And then we're supposed to root for her in this book, and, like, her character in this book was so much better, and, like, if the other book hadn't existed, I would have been all for her. Like, I would have been like, I love this girl, she's great, good for her, and but the other book does exist, and she did do the thing in the other book, so I'm kind of like, mm, I just don't know if this is it. <laughs> so it's like two characters whose backstory you know, and you're like, I mm-hmm. don't want to be here for them. Yeah. Like- well, like, but the guy, like, I loved, and he, like, deserved the world. Like, you want him to have a happily ever, but, like, you're just like, I don't know if I want him to have a happily ever after with this girl, based on what she did. <laughs> Damn. But, like, I still really enjoyed it because I was able to forget, I think, what she did. It was just, like, when I remembered that I'd be like, oh, fuck. <laughs> um, I gave it, like, a 3.75, so I rounded it up to, like, four stars. I was going to ask what you rated it. Like, was yeah. it like three stars or four? Because it was, like, a really fun book. It really was. And I felt like the stakes in this book were higher than the first book you know Mm. which I really loved it felt like a more mature book even though it only happens like a couple months after the first one you know 
but well, like just the author's writing specifically yeah but also like what happens in the book too like mm. it deals more with like what is happening with the kids in college like their futures what they want to do things like that whereas in the first book it was all very like just it was all very like I don't want to be controlled by mommy and daddy anymore and I just want to have fun for the summer for the first time and boys 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 you know and yeah but like it was still so fun I still like Love Boat Taipei like is one of those books where I'm like I don't know why I enjoy it as much as I do because I don't enjoy other contemporary books with the same kind of things happening. Mm. <laughs> but I still read it in one sitting because I'm having a good time. So oh, I like, love that. I love that. Yeah, like it's like a guilty pleasure thing. Like, so uh, I definitely always recommend Love Boat Taipei. I mean, because... It's those tropes, but it's the tropes with um in Taipei and with Asian American and Asian characters. So, like, definitely read it because you should. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, should we get started on a like? I just realized we're fifteen minutes what in. Should we get- I thought you talked about your other book. Sorry, go on. Okay. I did it. I talked about the book that I read that was kind of related to the one you read, but I want to just like say that I am currently reading that is fun. I'm reading. Where did it go? Where did it grow? Plus, we I had to probably cut out like five minutes. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) I was just chilling. (laughs) I am reading. Um. Oh, Honey and Spice by Bolu Babalola. Um. It was recommended um, by one of the, from the book club I'm in, mm-hmm. and they recommended the audiobook specifically, and I see why, because the narrator has this gorgeous accent. I don't know what part of England it is, but I know it's a very specific regional accent that it just sounds so beautiful in combination with her voice. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, talk to me, what I'm saying? <laughs> and she really she really encompasses the main character's voice too because she's very like sarcastic and like kind of serious cutthroat when it comes to some characters Mm -hmm. in such an eloquent way that like I hear her say the words in her in her accent and I'm like oh this is so oh I'm here for it I love (laughs) just like the story's fun but just hearing her talk is like even better like I want to see what other books she's narrated for because it's like hmm nice chef's kiss nice but yeah but the story's good too it's like about this college kid who she has like a podcast or like a radio show i think it is and she's like deconstructing like male and female like um social concepts and relating it to dating and stuff and there's this guy new kid at school new guy at in one of her classes Mm -hmm. who's like um she writes him off as like a player and then realizes how more complex he is and like it's i'm guessing a romance but it's really fun and the narrator is nice so i recommend it (laughs) even though i haven't finished (laughs) you know how i am a big supporter of good uh of well done narrated audiobooks like i love them because when they're not done well (laughs) 
ruins the whole book. Yes, so I'm like, I'm speaking for Joe, monsieur, monsieur. Oh my god, I'm gonna punch someone in the face. Yeah, and so I recommend this even though I'm only like 30% in, but okay, nice. I'll have to look at it. Yeah. All right, now we'll move on to the book we're talking about. Um, <laughs> which I feel like is a good one like to follow up with after yours and what we just talked about because we talked about like fun little cute books and we are mm-hmm. talking about So This Is Ever After by F.T. Lukens Ooh, which has such, such a gorgeous cover I got I bought this book based off the cover when I saw it it was beautiful I was like ooh that's nice so i mean just seeing the two guys on the front i was like i'm intrigued let's go (laughs) and you know what i when i feel like we were at barnes and noble one day together and i saw his um f i saw his name and he has another book i forget what it's called but it's like a pirate book but it's gay and, like, it has the same style cover, and it looked gorgeous, too. So I definitely want to read that next at some point. In Deeper Waters. Yes. Okay, yeah. Doesn't the, the cover part. look beautiful? It does. I'm looking <laughs> at it right now. I'm to my TBR, just casually click. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. I've, I honestly, I think you were the one who found this book and re- and mm-hmm. said we should read it for the podcast because I I hadn't heard of it or the author, but it yes. does. I remember it intrigued me, and then I don't remember. Well, I process. like it because one, I love the I I love the premise. There were so many things that drew me to wanting to get this book. Book first, it was gay, and I'm all for that and the beautiful cover. <laughs> Just casually, it was gay. I mean, yeah. First second, I'm there. <laughs> second, uh, the author was like, I wrote this because you know I wanted to write about what happens after the chosen one defeats the bad guy. Like, you don't see what really happens after all that. Like, you have the big quest, you know, where he, the chosen one, is building his team. And, you know, the book almost ends, like, the the climax of the series or book is when he and that team fight the bad guy, and then maybe you'll get, like, a quick epilogue afterwards, you know, a la Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, and, <laughs> and then that's it. And, it but- gives me, like, especially with the summary, it gives me, like, subtle D&D vibes. It's so book, D&D it's because... Like- I think every single character, like on the team, like is like uh based off of D and D. Hundred percent, and it like it feels like a D and D campaign where like they didn't want to like have action and adventure, but they still had like fucking wild ass shit going on. Mm-hmm. Like they were just like, oh, we're gonna stay at the castle, but we're gonna like we're gonna have a sea monster in the moat type <laughs> shit. Yeah. I also, it reminded me a lot of Legends and Lattes by Travis Baldry, which oh, I read which last I still month. need to read. Like, I still need to like, read. If you, if you like that book and you like that kind of like cozy fantasy vibes, like I would highly recommend this book as like a follow-up or just like mm-hmm. both of them. Yeah, definitely. So literally the first page starts with them killing the big bad. 
<laughs> like, it starts with Arik, the main guy, killing the big bad guy, who they have been questing to defeat. And, uh... It starts with them trying to hack the head off of him. Oh my god, yes. being like, oh, I guess prophesized swords from wizards from bogs do not come pre-sharpened, yeah. my be. He's like, I've always pictured, like, swiping and just his head coming off in, like, one clean swipe, and no, like, he's ha- he has to hack at the head a few times. He's, he's like, ah, oh, I want to grab his head and hold it up like a trophy. But instead he, like, throws up. <laughs> but but the guy's bald. <laughs> Yeah. I was like, oh my god. Yeah. And I love, like, it. so, like, he beheads him, and, like, all the minions or whatever, like, run away after that, and I love how he and his team are, like, in the throne room afterwards, like, looking at each other, like, the fuck do we do next? Like, what do we do next? And then they're just like, Eric! You should put the guy's crown on as a joke, and then we're gonna go get the princess, and then that way they'll be the ruler. And he's like, "All right." They're like, "Okay, we need to have an interim ruler until we have like the main, like until we find the princess." So, like, all right, just be the interim ruler, and he's like, "Okay, but this is just temporary, right?" And they're like, "Yes, it's just temporary." And so, like, he puts on the crown, and he's like, okay, I'll be the interim ruler until the proper, like, ruler is found. And they're like, cool, sweet. And they go to find the princess, and she's fucking dead in the tower. Fucking dead. (laughs) They just find her bones. Like, it's supposed to be that trope, like, the princess was put in the tower by the evil guy, and now we need to set her free. and they. (laughs) <laughs> oh, go to the tower to open it and she's dead and it's like they probably put her in here and totally forgot about her and she like starved to death this poor woman like they set it up like it was gonna be something out of the Super Mario levels where they're like oh the princess is in another castle cause I think Eric or one of the characters even said that like she better not be in another castle and then like I'm expecting it they roll in and she's just dead. Like she's dead, and Arik feels her. Um, like he feels something when they open the door, and he realizes after they find that she was dead in there that like it was her soul. Like she died in there, and the evil guy like did magic to trap her soul in there, and because so he obviously didn't care about her. And we'll get back to the soul thing and why he needed to keep her soul in there. <laughs> yeah, so she gone. And Arik is she stuck as it. king. <laughs> yep, because when he put the crown on, there was some, like, magic stuff that he felt. And so it was, like, no takesies backsies. Anyways, yeah, so there was no takesies backsies. And so he's king. So. Anyways. Yeah, there's no takesies backsies. And everyone's, especially Arik, is like, fuck. And, like, I love that Arik's group, which I guess we should introduce really quickly. Um, We have the Matt, who is his BFF, and um, he's, like, the wizard guy. 
Yeah. Like, he's like the magic guy in the group. So the wizard in D&D, right? Listen, we have not started our campaign yet. I don't know. <laughs> okay. The mage? So, the pork The mage. Class? I the don't mage, know. Whatever. Oh, he's the magic one. And he was, he's Rx BFF. There's Siona, who is like the badass, like, fighter one, warrior. Uh, and she's like super hot, too. Like, Arik mentions he's like, She's really gorgeous and caused a lot of awkward boners during this quest. <laughs> it's true. That is literally how he introduces her. <laughs> and then there's Bethany, who's like the who's the singing person in the D and D? Like the she's the bard. The bard. She's the bard. Fuck yeah. Who we love. She is a. She's just as full of love, Bethany. Um, <laughs> just full of love. Who is like the straight laced night guy? Like he is like he's like their like fighter class um, or knight knight. But he was like literally only a knight for like a year or something. Like he's still pretty young. And like he's he was... supposed to be like the straight laced like vanilla of them, like. Yeah, like, he was a squire, but he never got knighted. Like, he couldn't yeah. complete it. Like, he was a very, I don't know, he's a nice guy. Like, he's yeah. not a nice he's guy, just but, like, nice. No, he's, he's a nice guy, guy, Ryan. And he was, like, the, yeah. he was, like, the mom of the group. Yeah, I felt that vibe. He was very, like, out of all of them, he was very logical and mature. Where, like, the other ones gave me, like, <laughs> I don't know. And then there Fun was vibes. Lila. Yes. And then there was Lila, who I loved. She was like, was she half elf or like full elf? I can't remember. I think she was half elf. But she was the rogue. Yeah, she was a rogue. She was a thief. She loves to steal things. Like, and she just would steal for fun. And uh, and then you have Arik, who was like the chosen one. So that was the little group. And I love how the group is seriously, like, so supportive of Arik. They're like, listen, like, you'll be a great king. Like, why don't we just stick around and we'll try to, like, rule this kingdom as it should be. And Arik's like, I don't want to be king. And he literally, like, tries to, he takes off the crown and literally declares, like, I'm no longer king. And then, like, almost dies because... Literally. The magic of the land is like, nah, man, no takesy backsies, you or you die. Like, I, I think, well, his age is seventeen, right, for Eric, and I'm assuming that the rest of them are around the same age. And like, you get those like, I think Ryan teen is the vibes. Oldest, I think he was like twenty. Oh, so you get these like teen vibes of like, oh, we should just try this shit for funsies. Like, why not? And like, they got into so many hijinks mm -hmm. just because like they had that kind of like my prefrontal well, like, cortex one of my favorite parts of the book was like okay bethany's a really good not bethany um siona is a great fighter she's the general of the army like she's our general and she had to figure out how to become a general. Lila, she likes to steal money, and that's, like, her favorite thing. So they're like, okay, like, you are in charge of the treasury. Like, you are the treasurer. And she's like, 
great because we have a shit ton of money because the the evil guys like didn't spend any so like our treasury is like full to the brim and she knows this because she went to go steal from the treasury after they killed the bad guy she's like she's like i could swim in the piles of gold we had in there and she's like i tried so that was like one of my favorite parts um Ryan becomes, they put him in charge of training the knights and, like, the bodyguards for the castle because they're like, you used to be one. And he's like, I guess. And Bethany, because she was the um bard and, like, she had the power to, like, persuade with her voice. Um, She was basically put in charge of, like, public relations, I guess. Like, she was, like, the ambassador or something. And, like, they all kicked ass at their jobs that he gave them. Like, yeah, they like, did. How, who would have thought that the rogue thief would have been a great treasurer? I wouldn't have. But she was fucking kicking ass. Well, because she's all about having the money and not losing the money. <laughs> like, damn. I thought she was going to, like, run off with, like, a bunch of the money. No, she fucking killed it. And, uh... So, and then Matt was put in charge, like, he's, like, the second in command. Like, he is vice king. And. Slash the, the researcher. Like, I think that one of the first tasks that Eric gives him is for him to go and research, like, what the fuck is happening. The prophecy they were following. And it's, <laughs> another funny part, too, is, like, after they decide like okay like we're gonna just have to figure this out like they already found the dead princess Ark's like okay the prophecy just mentioned that i would kill the bad guy it never mentioned me becoming the king he and matt see the old wizard who gave the prophecy like in the garden and they run out and the guy's like oh so that prophecy worked great and he like put a check mark next to it and he's like that's good data <laughs> he's literally like okay check Sounds good. Off to my next job. Yeah, they're like, what the fuck, dude? And he's like, yeah, there's like 500 prophecies. Some of them are true. Some of them are like this one was. So I'm just going to put this in the check mark. Like, you know. (laughs) And they're like, so you mean we could have died completing this prophecy? We could have like fucking killed over. And he's like, yeah, I mean, I just give him out. (laughs) You know, but you made it. You lived. Good shit. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then he like fucking poofs out of existence and they're like alrighty <laughs> so the big part of this novel is Arik has to find his co-ruler like who's going to be like he needs to find someone to get married to because in this world like in this kingdom the land needs to have it needs to be bound to two people who um, and they're supposed to balance each other out so when Barthley, the evil guy that they killed in the beginning, when he took over, he forced the princess to marry him. And yeah. because she was good and he was bad, there was like that balance. But he didn't love her or want her around and she didn't love him either. And so he just put her up in that tower and he's like, well, she can fucking die. I don't care. I just need her soul around. So he made it so like he locked her soul in there. And so that's how he, like, got away with not having, like, a co-ruler around. Like, there was one. She was just dead in the tower. 
But yeah. Arik needs to find one before he's 18, I think, right? Or he'll die. Yep. And that's three months from the start of the novel, let's yeah. say. Which, like, first off, rude fucking kingdom. Like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> it's freaking wild telling a 17-year-old, like, find someone to bind your soul to for the rest of your king life <laughs> and i think it's so funny that like you know this whole time from the beginning you know that eric has feelings for matt you know his best friend and when he's given this thing he's like well you know matt doesn't love me back i can't i would love to do the soul binding with him but i can't and so he just immediately looks to the other people because he's like oh like he would never do it so well because he does this weird thing where he tries to feel out if he has feelings for him, but he does it in such a stupid way that, like, <laughs> it seems like Matt doesn't have feelings for him. And you're like, God damn it, Arik. God damn it, Arik. That's not, that's not how you should do it. Like, what the fuck? And it's a thing from both of them where they see the other's intentions and are like, oh, see, that's a sign that they're not into me. So when Eric is like, Matt's not into me, like, I have to find someone else to soul bond to. And Matt sees that and he's like, oh, Eric can't even stand the idea of him binding his soul to me. Like, he really does not like me like that. And so, like, they're both just perpetuating the fucking miscommunication trope that I hate so much. <laughs> no, this is, so, I will straight up say I gave this book a four out of five stars, and the majority of it was because of the miscommunication. We didn't even, we didn't even like, start with a rating. <laughs> I know we didn't, but we can say it now. I gave it four yeah. out of five because of the miscommunication. I was like, God Same. damn it. <laughs> same i hate that trope so much i can't stand it and especially because like i was like okay like you know 60 70 percent of the way through like it maybe it'll resolve and at least i'll have like less than the second half for nope. them to be together fucking the last chapter second to last chapter <laughs> anyways getting ahead of myself but <laughs> So he's like, okay, so I'm not going to be able to, like, find someone new and fall in love with in three months. Like, so I'm just going to look to the people I know and hope I can get one of them to, like, love me and want to bind themselves to me. So, like, he goes through his friends, like, trying to test to see. And, like, he starts with the hot girl that gave him boners. Only to find out she is in love with the servant girl. She is not into the PP. Like, she's not here for it. She's like, yeah. like, <laughs> it was not going to work. And what I love about Eric is, like, he doesn't, like, keep chasing each one of them. Like, he's kind of like, no, no. She, there's something else in her life. Okay, next person. Like, the minute, like, it becomes clear, like, it's not going to happen, he's like, all right, move it on. Like, he does not try to, like, force it. Crosses them off the list. Like, ah, she said she liked that one guy. Anyways, next one. <laughs> yeah, Um. and then he goes to Bethany, and I forget what happens with Bethany. Bethany the Bard. Isn't she the one who likes different people is like with different people i feel like it was something like that yeah she ends up with multiple people like she 
But I forget like what happens that make it that makes it so like she like makes it clear she's not gonna be into him. True to her bardship. But she does something and um so he like moving on again. He tries with Ryan. Ryan's fucking clueless. Like <laughs> he thought maybe Ryan was into him. He's like, mm, okay, maybe. And there's he's just fucking dumb. Like he doesn't even realize it, like, I'm flirting with him. <laughs> I like that he's like, oh, I'm gonna ask him to train me in swords. That's how I'm gonna get him to fall in love with me. And the entire time, Ryan is like, okay, now we're gonna we're gonna do this. Okay, here's the next exercise. And Eric is like, man, like he hasn't fallen in love with me once. I'm doing all this shit. <laughs> He's not into me. Well, the other thing that happens too is that they, uh, Art does like, he's like, okay, with each one, I'm going to try a different trope. So with Siona, he tried the forced proximity. Like he tried to get them locked in um, a room together. And he was like, okay, and then we'll talk and we'll fall in love. Only like, through accident, it ends up with him and Matt being locked together and Siona trying yeah. to get them out. And then something happens with Bethany. I can't remember what. Um, And then Ryan was the, like, okay, I'll get him to train me. And it's, like, that touching, like, ooh, like, show me how to show me how to hold it correctly. Like, you have to touch me to train me kind of thing. And, like, by the end... He's so sore from all the training because Ryan was just like, yeah, let's do this. Like, Yeah, he's literally just doing his job. And Eric's like, man, this guy didn't fall in love with me after all of that stuff. <laughs> all right. And he's like, obviously, he has no interest in romance. I'm moving on. And so he goes to Lila. Okay, like, Lila needs to, like, open up to a person. Like, like she's the one I know about the least. So he gives her, like, he sneaks in this, like, potion thing to try and get her to, like, open up to him. It's, like, oh, this yeah. thing that just makes her want to tell the truth. And she just starts <laughs> crying, and he's like, what is happening? And then she runs away from him, and he's like, what is happening? And he's, like, chasing her. And she goes to Ryan, and she's just like, I love you! And da like... like <laughs> Like, he's on, like, the training field, and she runs in the middle of all these, like, people fucking training, and he's like, and she's like, I'm in love with you! And I'm just like, she's like, I've been in love with you since we were on the quest, and this rabbit got caught in this thing, and you released it, and I realized how good you were, and I love you! And she's crying, and Ryan's like, what's happening? What do I do? <laughs> And Art's like, oh. Eric and Matt, because Matt also got, didn't he get fucking hit with the same thing too? And he's like, as he like runs away, isn't that a thing? That yeah, something happened? like that. And it's just like, once again, Art's like, well, fuck. Because Ryan and Lila get together. And so at this point, they decide to throw this, um, they finally tell them, like, why Arik has been, like, you know, and they're like, okay, well, obviously, like, we need to find you someone to fall in love with. So they hold the ball, and um, he meets, like, a bunch of people, and uh, one of them, Petal, which is a hilarious name, she and Bethany get together, 
and I think he liked Petal, but then like she and Bethany became a thing. He's like, all right, moving on. And then the other good one was this guy called Gren, I think. And he was like a hot, nice dude. And he's like, if I have to, like, this is probably the one I should marry. And uh, Matt's feelings for Arik or something like that come to light, right? Damn, you like skipped to the end. <laughs> like, no, but that's what like, happened. They... Yeah, but like you just went... Yeah, because it was... Um... I, have, the, I read this they book had, a while ago, guys, okay? <laughs> I, was, I was like, damn, all right, we're there. Okay, the feast. Um, well, the big thing is that at the beginning, while he's also romancing these people and he's learning the servants of the castle, Eric, he gets attacked by a bunch of arrows while he's outside in the gardens. And they find notes attached to all of these arrows that are the demands of the like neighboring kingdoms and their allies who aren't taking Eric seriously as king. And so he they have to like piece through which demands they can actually give into because they want to affirm his leadership, but they also don't want to be fucking pushovers and be like, oh, you want a golden peacock? Of course. Here you go. <laughs> um and so that's one of the reasons that they had the feast too, or the banquet where they invited everyone was because that's what kings would do so that they could have invite sons over for them to be do um the, for them to be knights or to train in to be knights with his people for them to be um security what is the word <laughs> like the soldiers that protect security is my modern way of saying <laughs> like the protectors um, of the castle yeah patrolmen i guess you could say security and um so they invite a bunch of them over and they're like trying to just kind of fill his kingly duties like i think at some point they have what they're supposed to do every wednesday which is have the the common people over for them to say their petitions to the king and he's supposed to like solve their problems or whatever however you say it <laughs> and like the steward tells the, like tells eric like oh we did this every wednesday this is tradition you guys need to dress up and you need to hear him out and like they're fucking pissed they hate the clothes. They gave Lila a dress and she's like, what is this fucking bullshit? They all dress and up and they open the doors and no one's there. And the maid and the butler guy was like, yeah, because Barthley was so evil, no one came. <laughs> so because we the had last it, time he did people it. didn't do it. <laughs> because the last time he did it he fed them to the sea monster that's in the moat I forgot to tell you and so Eric's like this fucking bitch <laughs> that butler guy cracked me up like what was he Harlow I think his name is Harlow he cracked me up so. he was so like he would tell them what they need to do and he would get so exasperated like I can't believe I have to serve these fucking peasants don't know what the fuck they're doing <laughs> Dude, when eric was like why did you work for the evil guy like how could you support him and he's like was i supposed to get a different job in this economy 
this economy? Like, what was I supposed to do? Like, he was just like, he showed up for his job, nine to five. He was not here for this bullshit. He just wanted to collect his check and go mm-hmm. home. It's like, I just, you know, I just showed up. I didn't, I didn't really care about anything else. And then, like, they get the people to come to the castle because um, the bard, Bethany, sends out, like, a message with her fancy little magical, like, guitar or whatever and tells people to come like it's the fucking petition day they start rolling in and the fucking sea monster just fucking grabs one of the guys and starts trying to eat him and then that's when they're like oh shit the sea monster's still in the moat (laughs) no one told us this arvik jumps into action trying to kill it and i remember sitting there thinking like how the fuck did they get through this whole quest like Ark can't fucking fight apparently like he is such a beginner with so but like with the sword and i'm like he still wins but like it was by like the skin of his teeth and i'm like like how did they get they... this far <laughs> fucking i see why he struggled with the beheading at the beginning of the <laughs> because <laughs> homeboy is not trained at all <laughs> Maybe it wasn't the sword. Maybe it was just our... I know. Maybe it was the skill. <laughs> let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. And so, but, like, like after defeating fucking... it, he becomes um, King Ark the Kind. Uh, the people see yeah. it, and they see how, like, he was out to protect his people, and he becomes beloved by the people, which, like, becomes a point in his favor, especially in terms of the other, like, neighboring kingdoms and stuff stuff because now that he's like beloved by the people they're like well fuck we can't really overthrow him if like the people love him like yeah and they see all the shit he's doing they're like all right so when he has the feast and invites them over like they like a lot of them show up and like with their kids for them to be dropped off for them to train and shit well which i thought the kids to train to be knights and also they were like He also needs someone to fuck with, so let's bring our kids. (laughs) Which great parenting, by the way. (laughs) I mean, it was a different time. (laughs) I mean, it's so sad, like, because that legit used to happen, and you sit there and you're like, God, people really did just throw their kids, like, to the fucking wolves to try and get them, like, more power. I mean, even just thinking of, like, rich families in the modern day that still do it, too. That are just like, oh, if we connect two of our heirs and heiresses, then we'll reaffirm the family. Well, yeah, because you like, gotta damn. keep the wealth. You've gotta keep the wealth with the wealthy. Like, they're really out here selling they're, their kids. Well, because <laughs> they don't want the poor people to get rich, okay? They don't. <laughs> But listen, this isn't a political. This isn't a political podcast, okay? (laughs) Um. Anyways, so these people are pimping out their kids at the feast, and And most of them are good. Like I, I enjoyed how one of the things I enjoyed about this book there wasn't really that trope of like, oh, there was that asshole guy or that bitch girl like you know what i mean like there wasn't really that in there which i enjoyed and like i like 
ever since I read Legends and Lattes, but even before that, I like fantasy books where it's not really like there's high stakes or mm-hmm. a lot of action going on. Like in this book, they mainly are at the castle. Just like I don't even, I can't even. Yeah, I can't even think of a time where they leave. Like everything works out. Arik is good at his job. He fucking kills it. And there's not really like something serious happening, like a war that's on the horizon or um, like shit that's gonna go down that's really gonna fuck him up. Like it really gives me cozy vibes. Other, I mean, even the fact that Arik could have been um. He was going to be disappearing if he didn't get married or whatever. But, like, I never felt, like, in danger for them. Like, it was such a cozy read. I loved it. So, at something happens where Matt's feelings become known and he feels like he has to run away. He kisses him at the feast. Yeah, thank you. They get drunk or something happens and yeah. he kisses him. And he's like, fuck, now I have to go away because miscommunication trope. Yep. And Ark tries to wait for him to come back. Like, he sends out a letter or something to him waiting, but it, like, his birthday's coming up and he will legitimately die if he does not bind himself to someone. <laughs> like, he's like, I would I wait. I would wait, okay? He's like, I would wait. I would, okay? <laughs> But he starts disappearing, literally, literally, literally. And like, (laughs) that audiobook is getting to you. (laughs) (laughs) You're starting to talk like an English person. I just love how they say the CH in literally, literally, literally. (laughs) We just lost any English. Listeners, any British <laughs> listeners, just with my accent there alone. You could say literally, we lost them all. No. <laughs> literally, matey, <laughs> matey. <laughs> okay, they're gone. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Cheerio. Poop, poop. Crumpets. Bonjour. <laughs> Bonjour now. <laughs> But yeah, Arik's like disappearing. And so he finally asks like the one other person besides Petal from the feast who like he was kind of down with. And he's this hot night guy. And he's like, listen, I need to bind myself to someone, but I'm not in love with you. But like, we could be cool. Are you down with that? And he's like, yeah, sure. That sounds fine. I think it was they, them pronouns for Gren or whatever the name is. I think so. Yeah, but like, like legit, it's the last day, his birthday eve, I think, when fucking Arik gets married or is going to get married. That's when they have the ceremony and shit. And it's so fucking funny because Gren, is that their name? Yeah. It's just like, oh, we're going to get married. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Uh, tomorrow? That's fine. You know? whatever and shows up for everything is fucking there till the end and then when the shit goes down also just accepts their fate matt shows back up they make up they declare their love and 
Arik looks at Gren and he's like, listen, I know we were supposed to get married, but... And Gren's just like, yeah, it's fine. It's cool. And they look over at Bethany and he's like, and they're like, what's up? Like, <laughs> So Bethany becomes, like, is in a... I think at the end it's like, Bethany was in a relationship with Petal and then with Gren and then with both. But she does end up single at the end. <laughs> like, Bethany's just there to play. She literally is a bard. <laughs> yep. So, um, Arik and Matt get together. They, um, become king and consort, and it's so cute. I, see, I guess, like, with me, with this book, the romance wasn't the biggest thing for me. Like, I can't stand, sit here and say, like, oh my gosh, I loved the romance. It was so amazing. Like, the romance was cute, but for me, it was just, like, everything in this book. Like, I just loved the friendships and everything like that, you know? I kind of feel like I would have been more invested, like, if we got more about with Matt and Arik, but I feel like we didn't get much with them. We didn't. It was it was literally just them pining over each other secretly and not wanting to say it to the other person. You would get, I think, hints of their relationship, like how they were best friends. I mean, like, they did spend the night in each other's room and stuff. There was, like, little moments. But yeah, it there was wasn't, little moments. But it wasn't, like, the way I want it. This book is a pretty short book. It's only, like, what, like... 330? 300? Goodreads Yeah, 330 pages. Like, which seems yeah. long. For a fantasy book, it's not a lot. Well, because it, it's supposed to be a comfort fantasy. It's not supposed to be, like, a fantasy fantasy. Mm-hmm. But I feel like with such a short book, you can't have that miscommunication thing. You can't rely on it as long as they did. Like, as long as Lucan's did. It's hard for me to say because I don't like that trope in general. So anytime it even comes into play, I'm like, this is too long. Just talk to each other. I don't want to have to deal with this pining. Even though it's like, especially when it comes to romance, it's realistic. I don't want realistic. I want someone who like confesses their love and I get to read about their beautiful little romance. None of this realistic shit about hiding your feelings, okay? It's not what I'm here for. (laughs) Which like... Even at some points wasn't realistic because there are some points when I'm like, you are purposely making them dumb at this point. Like, you're purposely making them. Like, that's when I get annoyed with the trope. Like, that's when I get annoyed with it. I'm like, you're purposely making them obtuse. Like, I have, I don't, I'm not the smartest cookie when it comes to relationships, but like, there are, people will still do things that I'm like, they want to (laughs) fuck. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's just like, like, it really did feel at times like you're really stretching this miscommunication trope out. Because, like, I think the biggest thing for me was that their friends, the ones they had been hanging out with for nine months, thought that Matt liked, was it that Matt liked Arik, but Arik didn't like Matt. And it was like, are you kidding me? You don't know that they both have feelings for each other. Like, you can only read it in one of their heads. Like, that's bullshit. All the other friends were literally, like, said, guys, it was obvious. And I'm like, yeah, it fucking was obvious. Why did no one was. say anything? Why did no one else say anything? Like, I literally, I was like, I'm sorry. You can't tell me that Lila, uh, like, Lila wouldn't have been like, 
Matt loves you. Just marry Matt. A hundred percent. And like Ark, and if, if Ark had been like, no, he doesn't. Lila would have been like, you're stupid. Yes, he does. It or been like, you guys are best friends. Like the connection, you're gonna, you're not gonna have time to fall in love with someone. Not even any of us. But like, at least it'll be with someone that you trust and like can spend your time with. Like Matt. Hello. But he's like, they all just accept. Like, oh yeah, not Matt. Okay, moving on. So that was like my biggest <laughs> issue with the book. Um, it was still a great book. Still loved it. It's still such a cute no. read. Like, definitely recommend this if you need that comfort fantasy like you talked about. Yeah. It's 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 a lot of fun for a comfort read. Besides the miscommunication trope. I, I really... I did enjoy it. I just would have liked it to not last as long if not get rid of it completely. And I think it just would have been more fun if everyone knew but them. They could have talked a lot more shit. Um, but well, everyone that, did know but them. But like they just went along with it. Like, <laughs> no, they all just thought Matt liked Eric. They did not think vice versa. They were like, oh, oh. you just didn't show it. Like I remember he said it. And they were like, oh, we didn't know. We just thought he liked you. So we were like, yeah, like, you need to move on. And I was like, bitch, are you for real? You didn't know he liked him too? That wouldn't, that could have solved our problems day one. But but everything else was still good. It was still fun. I still think of the scene with the sea monster in the moat because that shit, like, I cracked up. <laughs> When the fucking when Harlow the steward was just like, I yeah, I know I love that part. <laughs> Harlow was Harlow was, I loved Harlow, I loved Harlow. Yeah. <laughs> when they were like, like they would ask him questions about like what to do as king, and he's like, um, it's obvious, isn't it? And they're just like, no. And Harlow's like, oh, he had the vibe of they literally do not pay me enough for this shit. <laughs> I know he really did. I think he did. They did all get a raise. They did give a raise to all the servants in the castle. And Much I bet deserved. you his ass still thought the same. <laughs> yeah, he did. It's fucking solid. Well, that was So This Is Ever After by F.T. Lukens. Definitely recommended. Very cute read. MC Lucas. And this, this has been... um. Bookcord, I'm Megan. <laughs> <I'm Denise. laughs> and we'll talk at you later. Bye. Goodbye.